Thank you, Ken, and I hope everybody uh, enjoys what Ken has put together. He really does a great job of this. Uh, as Ken said, I have been a, uh, a weather nut from as far back as I can remember, which goes back maybe to when I was two and three years old, because I remember sitting on the front steps of my home in Oklahoma with my dad after a storm watching lightning, thinking, man, this is really cool. And this is what I do for fun and uh, some of what I'm paid for. Uh, what I'll be showing you are uh, some videos and some pictures. Unfortunately, the motherboard on my laptop died, and so this is now Plan C because without the uh, original information I had and compatibility issues, I don't have everything that I was going to show you, but I think this will work out. I uh, put some things together very rapidly. This is, uh, th there's nothing that you'll see here that's not real. There is nothing that has been photoshopped or anything like that. This is all real. This is a, a flash of lightning over the Wichita Mountains in uh, southwestern Oklahoma. And what I will do, uh, perhaps not quite as well as I'd originally planned since the motherboard died, was going to take you on a photographic odyssey of the weather and the sky and the landscape of the American plains. And this picture here, I think, in some respects, is as good a picture of what the plains are like. Not a whole lot of trees. You can see forever. This is up in South Dakota, but certainly there are vistas like this in parts of Nebraska, too. And Personally, this is what I like. And then, of course, you put a storm over that landscape and you get some pretty neat stuff. Um, this was June the 21st or 22nd this last year, and this is the initial uh, development of what turned out to be a number of supercell thunderstorms that caused all sorts of problems and produced a number of tornadoes from central and southeastern South Dakota into north central Nebraska. This... Um, I don't know if that car is trying to get away from that storm. This is in Kansas. This is one of uh, uh, a series of significant storms. Uh, this is the night of the tornadoes that hit Salina, Kansas, uh, Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, unfortunately, there were several people killed. This particular storm did not kill anybody, but when you see the, I think you can see the uh, rotation there, you can certainly see the curvature in the clouds, uh, you know that uh, perhaps something bad is, hap is uh, headed your way. Now this is what's called a low precipitation supercell. And I was going to show you some video of this, but unfortunately this is one of the things that I could not get back to. But this is a low precipitation supercell, and there's grapefruit-sized hail falling out of this storm at the time this picture was taken. And the storm is literally spinning like a top, and it really shows beautifully on the time-lapse photography I have of this. Isolated storm all by itself up on the uh, Montana-Wyoming state line. And again, this was a couple of summers ago towards the uh, end of June. Another storm in uh, Montana, uh, Mike Umshide was here the last two years, and he and I have chased together several times. He's a uh, weather service forecaster from uh, Dodge City, Kansas. And you can see our tripods and some of our video gear there. But the storm in the background is 40 miles away, and it's putting out four and a half inch diameter hail. And again, parts of the plains you can just see forever, which is really very nice. And a little bit of a close-up of that storm. This is a storm in northeastern Colorado. I believe it was June 16th this last summer, the same day of the storms that were further northeast in central Nebraska around Aurora. And I think that uh, Brian Smith is going to be showing you some video of some of those tornadoes. But this is just simply time-lapse photography of some supercells in northeastern Colorado at the same time. And you can see the updrafts there are just explosively going up, very unstable air mass. And sometimes those updrafts will uh, go up faster than 100 miles per hour, which is why if you've ever been on a plane when it's flying through thunderstorms, it's sometimes a bit of a choppy ride. 
Now, this is sort of an interesting sequence because these are all digital pictures. You can really do neat things with a digital camera. This is using something called a lightning trigger. And it allows you to take pictures of lightning in daylight, which was really hard to do if you just simply have film cameras. But what this does, every time the lightning trigger sees light, it takes a picture. And so if you want to look at any one of these individual pictures, it's going to be a lot more resolution, a much nicer picture than if you do a video grab, for example, from, from a, a digital movie camera. So lots of neat things that you can do. This is a uh, tornado crossing a highway near Hiawatha, Kansas hey, a couple of years ago. And you can see a barn being destroyed by the tornado. And notice that it's very hard to see the actual tornado. You can see the debris, but sometimes the condensation funnel is sort of hard to see. You can see a tremendous amount of debris that's been transported as the tornado moves off to the northeast here. Tornado all by itself, which is uh, not unusual, but that's not necessarily the rule. Sometimes they're all by themselves. This is uh, what we call a tail end Charlie storm, and this is a tail end Charlie of the uh, storm. Um, this is in north central Kansas in Republic County, uh, west northwest of Concordia, but this is the evening of the night that Hallam, Nebraska was hit. And the violent tornado, of course, pretty much wiped out the town. Well, this is the tail end of that storm, and this is the first tornado. This is not the Hallam tornado, but this is the first tornado that uh, was produced just very briefly by this storm in Republic County. You'll just see it very, just a wisp there, but it's there, and then it went on to produce several more tornadoes as it moved on up across the state line into Nebraska. And of course, I don't have to see storms to be happy because the Great Plains really are beautiful. And this is up in North Dakota, and these are fields of uh, canola and flax and the flax in the foreground here, uh, the petals come out, they drop off by about mid-afternoon, and the next morning you have a whole new crop of them. And I used to teach school up here in North Central North Dakota back in the 60s, and they didn't grow flax or canola there then, and I was visiting some friends. Uh, I'd been on a Canadian chase trip a couple years ago. And when I saw, the first time I saw the flax, some of those fields sometimes go up to the tops of the hills. And it's like, Wait, this can't be, because from a distance it looks like water is going up to the top of the hills, but it's, it's really beautiful. And I've got time lapse of this, an hour of time lapse with uh, just the clouds, Featherweather cumulus clouds and uh, fall streaks, absolutely beautiful, but unfortunately this was one of the things that I lost when the motherboard died. And of course this is just sort of a typical picture in the plains. This is in uh, the Tallgrass Prairie Preserve in northern Oklahoma, just some... Um, Cattle there in the foreground, you could take similar pictures certainly here in Nebraska. When we chase storms, we don't just go out to our backyards, we have to do lots of driving, so you see lots of different parts of the country. I'm from Oklahoma, but oftentimes you end up in the Dakotas or Montana or Wyoming, and this is where I like to chase. And you see some interesting parts of the country, and in some parts of the country they don't have a whole lot of money for welcome to Montana. <laughs> so this is on the state line in northeastern Montana, and this is it. This is the sign they had. That's it, entering Montana. And this is very typical of the plains, abandoned farms like this. And this was on the southeast corner of the intersection. This is in Wyoming. And it's rather interesting, there was a, uh, a movie called Brokeback Mountain. 
And one of the characters in that movie allegedly was raised in a farm in Lightning Flat, Wyoming. Well, it was very interesting in this area because there used to be a little town called Lightning Flat, and it's in the Thunder Basin National Grassland. So we definitely had to go there, so we did, and this is very close to where Lightning Flat was. So I was Googling Lightning Flat just to see what kind of information I could find, and I found a website uh, about the movie where people were claiming this was the house where the character was raised, but that's not true at all. That's, that's just simply a uh, movie, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this is typical. Population two. Not a whole lot there. But Wyoming can do it one better. Lost Springs, Wyoming, population one. It's on the other side of the coal train there. And there's not a whole lot there. In the 2000 census, I believe there were something like four or five communities in the entire country that had a population of one person. And this is one of them. So you do see some interesting things. There used to be a school in Ridge, just like there used to be lots of things in the Great Plains. And that's what's left of the Ridge School, nothing. And while we were taking, you know, got a beautiful view. While we were taking the pictures here, a little boy about 12 years old comes up on a, ATV and says, hey guys, what are you doing? And we get to talking, well, there used to be a, a 20 to 25 person school here before they tore it down. He went there uh, until he was in the fourth grade. And now he's on a bus and he has the option of his parents taking him to Broadus, Monta uh, Broadus Montana or Belfouse, South Dakota, both of which are about 40 to 45 miles away from this location. That's one way. And he was telling me about the blizzard that they had had uh, about a month and a half before I took this picture where they didn't have their power for 11 days. And again, you get some real interesting weather in the plains. Here's the view they had from the school over the fields of the sweet uh, yellow clover. Uh, the thunderstorm there in the distance west of the Black Hills, again, is putting out uh, golf ball-sized hail. Now, this is a, a time-lapse photography of a storm that put out a lot of hail and caused quite a bit of wind damage. And you can see some nice what we call rain feet here, where you can see just sort of the precipitation falling to the ground. And oftentimes the wind that's accompanying that precipitation hits the ground, spreads out. And sometimes you'll get wind 60, 70, 80 miles per hour. The record that I know of is a storm that hit South Dakota several years ago, where the winds were estimated to be about 125 miles an hour. Straight line winds but those will cause as much damage as most tornadoes since most tornadoes are weak. In fact, the tornadoes like the one that hit Hallam are, are very rare. Most tornadoes aren't going to do a whole lot to you personally unless you're really unlucky or do something really sort of stupid. But this is Shadron, Nebraska, or actually just east of Shadron, Nebraska. Uh, they didn't get quite as much hail as it's in that picture, but sometimes when you get hailstorms, you get terrific amounts of hail that drift. Uh, these drifts, actually, this was about a block from where I live in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Um, this was a hail storm. This hail was on the ground for 10 days, and that's with high temperatures in the 70s and an inch and a half of rain following this particular storm. And you can see it's about, well, it was up above waist high there. But it takes ice a long time to melt, and then, of course, with all the debris and twigs in there, that sort of gives it some uh, insulation. Uh, Mike Umscheid and I said Mike was here the last two years. Uh, these are some pictures that he took of some lightning in uh, southeastern Montana. And it's fun to take lightning pictures. It's amazing sometimes some of the different things that you can see. 
This is taken out of a moving car. I couldn't take this picture since I'm driving about 65 miles an hour. It's dark. It's darker than what the picture looks like there. And we were trying to get out ahead of the storm. And what you see are what are called anvil lightning bolts. They're basically coming out of the front edge of the storm, out of the anvil of the storm. And these were coming down almost as frequently as raindrops. It was incredible. And I would not have been surprised if one hit the car. Because when you're driving 60, 65 miles an hour and you can hear the thunder through all the wind noise, you know the lightning is getting close. And a couple of hours before uh, Mike took this picture, we were headed the opposite direction to get closer to the storms. And there was some poor guy on a bicycle who apparently was biking across country and camping out. And I don't know where he went because this is what the landscape was like. And I'm thinking, man, I'm sure glad I'm not him. Uh, this is a supercell thunderstorm in southwestern Oklahoma uh, last April. Low precipitation supercell. And again, uh, with a digital camera, if you've got a tripod, basically all you have to do is put it on a tripod, open the lens, and if you're lucky, you can get some really neat pictures. And here's an example, again, of a nice bolt of lightning that's coming out of the uh, front edge of that particular LP uh, supercell thunderstorm. And I just throw this in here real briefly. This picture is taken at 2 o'clock in the morning. And this is how bright it can sometimes get just temporarily if a flash of lightning goes off overhead. Literally as bright as day. And if you look carefully in the center of the picture, you can see the uh, security light at a uh, farm down, down a ways from me. But literally, temporarily as bright as day. This is a Nebraska supercell thunderstorm, June 15th, back in the 1990s. This is basically what we call a naked mesocyclone. And there were no storm chasers on this storm. It's probably the best undocumented storm I have ever seen. And at the time this storm happened, I was working for the Weather Channel. And I had come in on a Sunday. This particular storm happened on a Saturday. And somebody had put some information in my mailbox telling me about this storm. And the information was like, wow, this is really something. So we had some video, not of the storm, but we had video of the damage. And the damage was pretty impressive. So I used to be the associate editor of a publication the Weather Service uses to verify severe weather events called storm data. So I called some people up to see if I could get some pictures and stuff like this. And talked to somebody and said, yeah, we've got a scrapbook. We've got a whole bunch of pictures. This is really quite a storm. And he said, you know, I've got hundreds of them. Well, I'd done this long enough to know that when people said they really had great pictures, sometimes they weren't. So I said, well, just send me the, what, the, you know, what the 10 or 15 you think are the best. I said, okay. So a couple days later, I get this package in the mail, and I open it up and look at the first picture, and I go, holy, fill in the blank. <laughs> look at the next one. Oh, called him right up. Please send me that scrapbook. <laughs> but the pictures were amazing. This is, there's a mile and a half wide tornado in the ground from this storm. That's the tornado from three miles away. This is in Red Willow County. And an amazing storm. That's probably shows you why you probably don't want to be in a vehicle if you're literally in the path of a tornado. That is a red Ford pickup truck. But you probably would have had a hard time figuring that out. They had a van on the same farm, and the biggest piece that they could find of the van was part of the firewall that they found several miles from where the van had been parked. 
but an incredible storm. Fortunately, most tornadoes are not nearly as strong as that storm. Here's what the tornado did to one of the farms that it hit. There has been no cleanup done whatsoever. It just simply leveled it down to the foundation, but it was nice enough to at least blow the debris against the fence line or out into the fields. But an, an, an amazing storm. Uh, this is Andover, Kansas. This was a storm back in the 1990s. There was an outbreak of, of severe weather in Kansas and Oklahoma. This is a trailer park where 11 people died. And house trailers are amongst the very worst places you want to be during a tornado because they simply aren't built to even withstand strong straight line winds, much less a tornado. Uh, this picture was taken by Dennis Smith, who used to work for the Weather Channel. And you can see in the foreground there, uh, basically the structure of the bottom of the trailer. But, you know, somebody says, hey, I've got tie down straps, no sweat. No, there is a lot of sweat. Uh, they simply aren't going to last. The sad thing about this, the trailer park um, had a storm shelter. And there were lots of people in the storm shelter. But the people who were killed are the people who said, you know, we've heard the tornado sirens a bunch of times and nothing ever happened, so this is another false warning. And unfortunately, this was the time that they really should have gone to shelter. Uh, there were several people whose neighbors said, yeah, he said that, you know, nothing ever happened, so I'm not going to go in. But I don't know, there's some video that was taken by an Andover, this is Andover, Kansas, just northeast of Wichita. There's some video that was taken by an Andover, Kansas policeman. And as he's driving through the trailer park with his sirens on and the lights going on and all this sort of stuff, occasionally he turns and you can see this humongous tornado off to the southwest approaching the trailer park. And people are coming out of their front doors walking their dogs as though this was no big deal. Everyday occurrence. I mean, it's sometimes sort of amazing what people do and don't do. Again, we're literally in the center of where the, the tornado deposited its debris, and it's almost just simply like a gigantic threshing machine. The debris literally is uh, several feet high there. This is um, what's left of a house that was hit by a December tornado in Oklahoma back in 1974, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And if a picture's worth a thousand words, this is it perhaps, because this is the only part of the house that was left standing. And the two people in the house embraced that toilet, and they survived. And I'm sure the story that they tell gets better every time they retell it. <laughs> but if anything's going to be left standing, it's going to be something like the bathroom that because of the plumbing and what have you, from an engineering point of view, it makes it just a little stronger and in Oklahoma, where we have lots of tornadoes, we don't have very many basements because in Oklahoma, if you build a basement, basically you've built yourself a swimming pool because of the clay and what happens is it shrinks and expands. So unless you have an above-ground shelter, the center part of the house or maybe the bathroom is a place to go, and right there is a good example. Now, nothing's in guarantee, but you do things to uh, increase your chances of survival. I used to work for a TV station uh, in uh, the Ames-Des Moines market, and this is a picture that one of the viewers sent to me after we had an outbreak of tornadoes the end of June of 1979. And this is a school bus barn that's being destroyed by one of the tornadoes. This is a killer tornado, though it did not kill anybody at this particular location. But again, you can see the sheet metal flying through the air as the tornado hits that particular structure. It was a very, well, this is a different tornado here. The little town that I used to live in is there in the distance, a little town called Jewel, Iowa. 
But there was a tornado that was on the ground for 11 miles, and you can see the path of it through the uh, bean and the cornfields. And if anybody should know what a tornado looks like, it's me. And this is October. And I happened to be home this particular afternoon, and I was telling myself, man, if there's ever going to be a tornado, today's the day. I didn't expect it to be across the street from me. But there was a type of situation where, yeah, this is, this, there, there ought to be a tornado within an hour of where I'm at. And I was at home because uh, my wife was out with my older child, and I was home with my youngest child. So I'm not out chasing or anything like that, but I am out looking outside every so often, you know, what can I see and all this sort of stuff. No lightning, no thunder. I'm looking. All of a sudden, the wind quits blowing. And then all of a sudden, it rains just briefly hard, and then nothing happens. And then I hear what sounds like an 18-wheeler coming up the street. And then it hit me, there's no 18-wheelers in the town that I live in. And my house started shaking a little bit. And the tornado had lifted just before it got to town. And if it had hit my house and been on the ground, the worst it would have done was maybe blown out of the window or taken off some shingles. But basically, the tornado, I talked to some other people later that were on I-35, the tornado, the condensation funnel basically didn't exist. But you can see, nonetheless, the path of the storm on the, on the ground for 11 miles. One of the neat things you can do with digital photography is take pictures. Again, this is at night. Uh, this is the interstate where it crosses the Missouri River, not too far away from Chamberlain, South Dakota. You can see several lightning bolts there in the uh, background and off on the right. Uh, you can see the bridge there. Those are lights since this is uh, taken over a period of a number of seconds. And, of course, with uh, Photoshop and stuff like this, you can do some neat things. It's totally dark, but the camera can see things that our eyes can't. And here's a good example. I've gotten into this type of photography. It's totally dark when this picture is taken. This is taken up on the snowy range uh, in south central Wyoming. And if you look carefully, you can maybe just see barely some star streaks. And all I'm doing is taking pictures with the ambient light that's available from the moon and from the stars. You can't see any, with the naked eye that is, of what you see in this picture. It's dark, totally dark. You can't see the Medicine Bow range there in the background, nor the parking lot, nor where my car is at, but the camera can see it. It's amazing if you have a tripod, because you need to have the picture steady. Open the lens, you can get some really neat pictures. This is in the Pawnee National Grasslands in northeastern Colorado. Can you see the Big Dipper there? And then a close-up of the Big Dipper. Now, we lose a little bit here. But if you were to look at my monitor here, the sky is a deep blue, and it's just amazing what can be seen. This is in Wyoming. Again, it's totally dark outside. This is about 1 o'clock in the morning, and looks like daylight. And this is one of my favorite pictures. This is in the Pawnee National Grasslands. Again, it's totally dark. All I can see is the security lights on the horizon. Almost looks like it's a sunrise or a sunset picture. And again, it's even much more spectacular if you look at it on the, on the computer screen here. This is an amazing picture to me simply because northeastern Colorado is a really windy place usually. Notice the windmill blades aren't turning. It's one of the few times that I could get a picture like this where you could get the turbine there where you can get the blades. They're not moving. The, the uh, moonlight's reflecting off of them. What looks to be a sunrise or a sunset off in the distance over the horizon is the city lights from Greeley, Colorado that's about 40 miles away, but your eyes see nothing of that. All you see is the black. 
So you can do some really, really neat things with digital cameras now in this day and age. And they're not that hard to do. I'm going to be in room, what is it, 163 at 11 o'clock. And although, again, part of my presentation for that I lost on the motherboard, if you're interested, I can pull some things off and I'll uh, give more time to tell you how you can do photography like that. And if you do, you might end up being a weather geek like me. This is uh, Mike Umshide taking a picture of me when he and I were out chasing a couple of years ago. Well, I hope you like Plan B of my, or Plan C, that is, of my presentation.